Hey friends, welcome to Wild Confidence Podcast, where we help one another find, keep, and share our confidence in Christ. I'm your host, Ainsley B. It's an honor to bring you some inspiring conversations with amazing guests. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to kindly ask if you'd leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who might like it. I'd also love to connect on Instagram, so find me at Ainsley B. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Let's get to know our guest. Okay, y'all know that I'm obsessed with the app Dwell, the Bible app that I've told you about before. It's the first thing that I look at, or listen to rather, every single morning whenever I sit down at my desk because it is the best way for me personally to get into the Word and start my day off right. So I wanted to tell you something that they are doing in July, and it's a meditation campaign, which is so awesome. So this summer, Dwell has invited Richard Foster, author of the modern day classic Celebration of Discipline, to guide us through the ancient practice of biblical meditation, learning to hear God through His Word and to obey what we hear. I personally cannot wait for this to happen. It kicks off Monday, July 12th. Visit dwellapp.io slash meditate for all the details, including a guide to meditation, weekly audio meditations led by Richard Foster, and a daily passage for meditation within the Dwell app. Dwell truly helps you not simply read or hear the Bible, but create a space to dwell with God. So. Head to dwell.io slash meditate or ainsleybritton.com forward slash links to get started. Arden Bevere is the youngest son of John and Lisa Bevere and the co-founder of Sons and Daughters, a movement committed to raise up a generation of uncompromising followers of Christ who will transform our world. He has a passion to see his generation go further than any that came before it, fully alive in this God adventure. Well, Arden, welcome to Wild Confidence. How are you today? Oh, I'm so excited to talk. I'm doing great. You know, we were sharing in some of the the life's joys of having dogs right before coming on. So I'm coming right off of that, but doing good. <laughs> and complicated names. Yeah, exactly. Arden and Ansley. Even, um, hopefully I said it right. I, I told Ainsley. you I wouldn't be. Ainsley, dang it. <laughs> Because remember, pain and pain. I got it. (laughs) Literally, at least we can relate on those things because it's rare. Have you ever um, seen your name on a souvenir, a souvenir tag? You know, like you go to a never. Oh, no, never. Yeah, I probably never will either. And I don't know if I'm sad about that, though, at the same time, because I've never been tempted to buy like one of those souvenirs (laughs) that will just stay in your dresser drawer for like five years and then you'll throw away later. Honestly, that's so true. And it kind of makes me feel unique. I'm like, yeah, my name's not on it, on there. It's like, it's fine. I'm special. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> so that is really the, like, I, um, I'm an Enneagram coach, fun fact, and I'm a two, so I go to a four in growth. So that's really me going into the four. Expressing, expressing those feelings. I get it. Yeah. My wife, my wife is a four. So I, I was, I, no one in nice. my family is a four except for actually my older sister is, but didn't know that. And then, so going into a marriage with a four and me being an eight, that was such a fun. Oh, you're an eight. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting, fun dynamic of me having to learn how to listen very, very well. And go into your feelings. Oh yeah. We're still working on that. <laughs> no kidding. I, I we need to do an, an Enneagram episode just with y'all because that is such a, a rare and unique dynamic. 
Yeah, no, I think the first time I ever like really like showed her my feelings, she was just like, that was the greatest night. And I'm like, that was the worst <laughs> night. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I hated every second of it. And she's like, it was beautiful and was wonderful and made me fall in love with you 10 times over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is so funny, especially a male eight accessing their feelings. It's like, I would have given you uh, five gold stars because that is challenging for sure it is yeah we that's why it's it's still a work in progress <laughs> <We're getting there. laughs> and, and it will be and it will be that's the the beauty of the Enneagram you're always growing always evolving if you will uh-huh. so you are doing some exciting things and I want to talk all about them I want to hear everything and dive deeper into all of your projects and ideas and things what can you tell us about this book that you wrote what can you tell us about redefined yeah so um i wrote redefined it came out earlier this year and redefined was a process for me honestly so what it actually came from it came from a place of uh really a heart cry from our our generation i feel like oftentimes like i, I will say that like uh, two years ago before COVID, um, you know, when you were in person in service, I remember a pastor was telling a story and he was like, he was like, you know, there's this whole funny story. And then he was like, well, here's a millennial and the whole auditorium just erupted laughing. And I was like, yeah, that's the, that's the common theme that we get as millennials and this generation is, you know, and I think that's oftentimes true about every single generation, their stereotypes and things like that. But what I saw was about five years ago, I had posted something on my Facebook and I asked people, I said, if you could describe the young adult generation in one word, what would it be? And I remember I started seeing all of these responses of things like broken, entitled, disillusioned, addicted, yeah. fearful. And my heart was breaking for my generation because what I saw is that those labels that have been spoken over this generation, my people begin to believe those to be true. And so was breaking in that moment. And I remember God told me, he said, Hey, what I want you to do is I want you to write down every single one of those labels. So write down broken at the top of your journal and then write scripture. That's contrary to that negative label and make that your prayer for this generation. And I, I just begin in this place of just praying over my generation, wanting to see my generation not lived, um, limited to the labels of this world, but really stepping into the fullness and the calling that God has for them. And so this is where the book came from. Um, it was a five-year process because it was never supposed to be a book. It was just, as I said, the journal entries. And then my mom got me into a room with some with some publishers. And she's like, tell them what you're writing about. And I was like, mom, no, that's my that's my journal. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about no, that. No, stop, mom. <laughs> you know, of course, an eight, like, personal stuff. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about that. And my mom was like, no, this needs to be a book. Because you need to, like, there needs to be a book of, of someone's calling forth this generation to you know, past the the labels that have been spoken. Cause that's the thing when I, when I kind of was doing research around this, I figured out the difference between labels and callings and God, I noticed throughout scripture, God never labels his people. He only calls them. And a label speaks to who you have been in the past or who you right now. It speaks to everything that you can see in the, the natural that's going on. And that's what the world will do is they'll label you because they can't see beyond what's going on in the natural. They'll speak to your trauma, 
your pain, your hardships, all the things that you're going through. Whereas a calling from God speaks to the eternity that he's placed inside of you. It speaks to the future, the potential, everything that you have in order to call you forth out of those hardships, out of that pain and into your destiny. So that's what I want to see for this generation. That was my heart behind this book is really seeing a generation live defined by God's calling and not by the labels of this world. That's incredible. I mean, it really is because our generation really does get a bad rep. Like we're, we're called all of those things. And part of me is like, what about the generation that raised us? So they get to share any responsibility in in these names. I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's, that's a, you know, of course a factor into it. And I think what we've always got to look at, and this is why, like, I wrote this book to millennials, but I've seen it like work across the board. Like I've seen people mm-hmm. that are in their 50s, 60s that have read this book and been like, I've been carrying labels for this long, but I watched what my parents did for us. Like when we were growing up and how they framed work, that identity that we were able to step into is like, they used to do something that we hated as kids. Like we, they would always speak to us and like in our moments of, you know, pain or like talking back to them or disrespect or hitting our brother, they would always be like, Hey, you're a prince. Like, and princes don't act like that. And I'd be like, mom, did you do like the DNA test recently and figure out there's some <laughs> royal lineage that you didn't tell me about? I'm like, what do you mean that we are princes? And, and my, my parents would do is, of course, they would address the behavior. And I think that's a huge part is I think too many times right now we are ignoring the behavior and we're just trying to speak to a future rather than addressing what we can address and then calling forth, but they would speak to the behavior. And then they were frameworking the identity and the inheritance that we had as sons of God, even though we didn't understand it. And we didn't understand it until we got older and we started really getting into the word of God and then seeing what the Bible says about being a son or a daughter of God, we were able to step into the fullness of what that is. And I think right now we have a lot of people who have only been spoken to based off of their mistakes and their their past troubles, all those things, and don't know what the word of God says about them. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that that's a that's a that's a hard framework because some people have, you know, not been raised in great families that have spoken to that identity and that that future. And I think that's where the word of God is so beautiful. And you have to have that clear clear deciding point of, am I going to allow what my friends or what my parents or what my bosses or what my teachers uh, or my parents, you know, all say about me, I think I said parents twice, but I'll say about (laughs) me, or am I going to allow what the word of God says about me to define my life? Absolutely. And I just, I mean, the idea of being called like you're a prince, even growing up, how that can transform your identity is incredible. Like, I love that your parents did that. I love, like, I'm, I wrote it down. I'm like, I don't have kids, but when I, I'm going to talk to my puppies like that. that like, that's you're it. Prince, you're a princess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, I really am because I think that's an awesome point that, you know, not only do we address the behavior whenever they're kids, but like, re- cementing their identity in the Lord because what I'm, do in my just work and writing and everything is help young adults uh, discover or rediscover their identity in Christ because so much of life can make you question your identity and I think rediscovering it which and I love that it's uh, you know your thing is redefined and a lot of mine is rediscover Um, it's like it's the undoing and the replanting and the re-cementing of the truth that is is such a testimony to God's grace and who he's called you to be. And I love that you uh, differentiated the labels versus the calling. That's so powerful. And anything that 
you know, anyone has felt labeled in the past doesn't have to uh, be carried with them. Um, my friend, Stephanie Mae Wilson always, she had like a visual that I will never get out of my mind. It was like, you know, those, uh, hello, my name is things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She always said like that label felt sticky. Like whenever you peel it off of your clothes, there's still some residue yeah. and it takes some work to kind of get that off. And that's, that's what partnering with the Lord makes it such an, an easier uh, removal and redefinition of your calling. So you can really step into that. Now, was there a sticky note or a label that you specifically felt limited you? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, there was a lot like, and I'll say that because really what I wanted to do with this book is to make sure that I was not having words that I was like, yeah, I, I read this in the Bible. Or I, re- I heard a great story about this and I can speak to it. I'm 26 years old and I don't want to act like I have everything figured out because I am far from it. And and what I wanted to do is every single label that I chose to write about in this book and how I framework the book, because I, I start out by talking about the power of the word. So we have to understand what, you know, what we actually have in our tongue. And then I go through 10 labels that are negative labels that have been spoken over this generation. And I show them how they can be really flipped onto, you know, flipped the other way and not just the opposite, but God is actually using some of those to speak and, um, you know, honestly position you into your destiny. And so Mm. I chose words all that I went through. And and I remember when I was growing up, something I, I struggled with was, you know, this big label of, Hey, are you going to be the next John or Lisa Bevere? Like, you know, people would always ask me that they were like, you know, Hey, like, when are you going to write a book or when's your book going to be out here? And I was like, I had, I had no interest growing up as, you know, and even, even till recently to, to ever write a book. It was something that was just, I I felt like, you know, Hey, I was in special needs reading and writing, writing programs all the way through my freshman year. And this is not something that I can do. And I remember I would look at my parents when they're, you know, preaching on the platform. And I I had a hard time getting up and sharing in front of my classmates. And I remember actually one time in, in eighth grade, I just had to read a four line poem. And up in front of my classmates and I had to read it off the piece of paper and I couldn't even get through the first line. I was stuttering and mumbling over my words. And my teacher just told me to sit down and gave me an A plus because she felt bad for me. And wow. I remember I was like, well, this is, this is the reality of my life. These are my weaknesses. And I could never do what my parents. And so what I kept doing was I kept comparing my weaknesses to my parents' strengths. And I think that's the, the the challenge that we're seeing in this generation in a social media day and age is we compare all of our weaknesses to other people's strengths. And I love yeah. that God is such an amazing God that he's able to use those areas of weaknesses when we give them to them and no longer try to hide them. Like the world says, you know, hide all your weaknesses and only show your strength. But God says, show me your weakness and I will make you strong. And so I had to get over that because I remember I... I, um, I lost all confidence in myself, you know, all confidence in what God created me to be and, and confidence in God, because I was focused more on my parents. And so I, I developed a mumble, a stutter. Um, I felt like the things I, I had to say weren't really important at all because I was like, yeah, I've got a, a family of three older brothers and, and two amazing parents. And I don't really have any value to add to that. And, and so I remember that. And I talk a ton about that in the um, I talk about that in a couple different chapters of the broken and the discouraged chapter. And I just watched like what God did and how he just, he just put it back onto himself of that continuing relying on God. Um, like I remember the first time I ever did the, a Sunday 
uh, service for a church, I was like, okay, I've got this. Like, I'm like, I can, I've been preparing. I've been doing all this stuff. I was like, I've got a 45 minute message. I'm ready to go. All these things. <laughs> I was excited about it. I get up there. I forgot all of my notes. Like I just, I, I just blanked. And then also to make it oh, worse, yeah. I just very stupidly did not wear my glasses up on stage. And back then I didn't have contacts. So I couldn't even read my notes off of the, the podium um, without like having to like really lean in. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So I got done within 10 minutes and I felt so embarrassed. I was like, Hey, do you want to just do a Q and a at this point? And it was, it was such an embarrassing thing. And my dad was there, not only that. And so he, we went back to the hotel and I was like, dad, I felt confident, all that stuff. And he said, Arden, he said, I want to tell you a secret. He said, my gifting to be able to communicate the word of God is not my gifting. He said, it's all God. He said, every time I get up on that platform, I ask the Holy Spirit to move. And he said, and I, I have full confidence, not in myself, but that the Holy Spirit is going to move. And he said, this has never been a strength for you. And he said, but you try to think, you know, hey, if I prepare enough, if I do this enough, I might not need God in this situation. And he said, you never brought God into that situation. And I watched this when I changed that mindset and put my, my confidence back on God and that bringing the Holy Spirit into it. It's so simple. Just asking the Holy Spirit, hey, Holy Spirit, this is something I'm not strong in, but I need your grace in this. And as I did that, I watched as everything changed. I'm, I mean, listening to you now, and I'm like, there's no way that you ever- <laughs> it, was, it was bad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm hearing you now. I'm like, there's no, like, I don't believe you because you're so um, eloquent and well-spoken. And I mean, you wrote a book. It's like insane. And that's also just a testament to what the Lord will do whenever you surrender and whenever you hand over all of your confidence to him or lack thereof. That's a, yeah, that's a constant process. Like it's a daily thing. Like I remember even with the audio book, I went in there and I was like, this is the worst thing that I could possibly do. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to do an audio book. And I, even when they asked me like, hey, could you do a sample reading for us so we could tell if you were actually be good to read this? I was like, I told my wife, I was like, should I just botch it? Like, and just make it so they don't have to pick me. And she was like, no, no you need to do it well. And so I did it well. And they were like, yeah, you can come in. And I remember I went in there and I was so stressed out by it. I never prayed. And it took me an hour and a half to finish the first chapter. And it normally takes, they said, between 20 to 40 minutes. And I just, I skipped over every like other word. And then, you know, they call you out every single time that you miss anything. And not only that, we get done with the chapter and the guy said, hey, there was something wrong with the audio. We had to redo that entire chapter. So I remember I got, I got through that next chapter and then I was on the next chapter and I was still struggling. And then I was like, okay, I realized what I have to do. And I stopped him because I actually was reading about it in my book. And I stopped him and I said, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. And I just went to the bathroom and just said, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. And I came back in and finished the next chapter in 25 minutes and did not have any problems from there on out. So it's wow. an amazing, amazing thing when you understand that and that true partnership, because that's what relationship is. That's that partnership of working together with the Holy Spirit. You'll watch as he works amazing, amazing testimonies in your weakness. Absolutely. And, and there's no pressure. Well, there is some pressure, but it really takes a lot of the pressure off because you're like, you know what, this isn't on me. Yeah. I have done my part. I have done what, you know, God has asked me to do, but the effects of it, the impact is up to him. Yeah. And I can just be obedient. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I love the example of Paul, like Paul, 
through his process, like, you know, he, you see him, he's very ego, like driven in the beginning yeah. when you meet him as Saul and he's, he's all about that. And then he gets humbled by Jesus when he, Jesus appears to him, then he goes and learns. But Paul throughout his journey, when he is doing the amazing miracles, you would look at his journey and be like, man, this guy is just growing in confidence because he's doing one thing after another. But Paul writes in the beginning of his, of his uh, journey and he says, hey, I am the least amongst the apostles. And then he further and takes it even deeper. And he says, hey, I'm the least amongst all the saints. And then closer to the end of his life, he says, I am the least amongst all the sinners who Christ came and died for. And so you see this progression with Paul, where Paul loses confidence in himself and gains confidence in God. And so mm -hmm. his, his image of himself is at an all-time low but yet the work that God is doing through him is at an all time high. And I think that's the amazing balance is you're like, look, I'm not that great. <laughs> like <laughs> I am just, I am just a, a dwelling place for the Holy spirit to be able to work through me. And Paul is the person who says I can do all things through Christ. And he understood that last part of through Christ who strengthens me. He realized his strength was not the one that was getting them in those situations or, or, you know, doing the amazing miracles. It was all God who was working through. Yes, absolutely. You know, anytime that I like pray over someone or have in anything that the, I feel like the Lord has told me to tell someone else, I'm like, okay, here's the deal. If you get anything positive from this, it has it ain't me. But if you feel weird about something or if you feel like that doesn't quite fit, yeah, that one's for me. It's me. That, that one piece is for me. You need to throw it in the trash. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but literally anything good that ever comes from me, it's not me. So don't let's we got to thank the Lord because it ain't me. Don't thank me. Like, goodness gracious, don't give me any of that credit um, because it's it's not, you know, it's all the Lord and how he just steps in and just through obedience will just change lives. And it's so incredible. And, and I love that, that, you know, you've been able to redefine our generation and help us even realize, yeah, we're not those things. We're not those labels. We are called and we do matter for the kingdom. And right now, like our, our passion for these things that maybe it's a little bit misplaced or maybe our ego is a little bit misplaced, but we can always go back to the Lord and redefine, like you said, on a daily basis, we have to take that identity work um, every single day. Hey, if you have been looking for someone to come alongside you in this season of life, I would love to talk about online mentoring with you. Maybe you just really want to set some goals. Maybe you just need some encouragement. Maybe you need that push to rediscover your identity in Christ and really root in and dig deeper into your faith. Let's talk online mentoring. Head to ainsleybritton.com forward slash free stuff for more information. So I'm wondering like, you know, going from where you were to where you are now, it sounds like it's it's been a continual working with the Lord, but was that moment with your dad backstage, was that really a, a turning point that led you to refine your confidence or, or was there more than one? Yeah, I, I think it's more than one. And I think, I think across the board, um, you know, the Bible talks about renewing your mind. And then, then he talks about how the word of God is your daily bread. And that the reason why is that the word of God does you know, two things. It sustains you and it constantly gives you the the strength to be able to go in battle. And that's the daily bread. But then also it's that continuing to pave new pathways within your mind that are 
defining your thinking that when you see a situation, you know, Worldly thinking would take you one way. Godly thinking would take you the other way. And that's what we have to do with the renewing of the mind. So that's the process that I went through really was, um, yes, it was that putting my faith in God. But I think there was also that development of faith through reading the word of God. And I think that's mm. a key thing that I want to see in this generation. And what I even position the book is I say, like I tell people, I'm like, look, if I'm just telling you all this information, it's just information. What I want to teach you is I want to teach you how to go to the word of God and be able to declare scripture over yourself daily, because that's going to be the key for your life. And so what I'm seeing right now from my generation so we have a lot of information, like we have a lot of information around, you know, hey, what is the what is the world saying? What are podcasts saying? What are blogs saying? What are yeah. all these informations? But I'm afraid what we're doing is we're trading that information for transformation. We think mm -hmm. that we know a lot about God and we have a lot of information about God, but yet we don't get it straight from the source. We know what the word of God says about us from the podcast, from messages, our favorite Instagram pastor, like all those things. We know that but we don't know what the word of God says about us. And that's where the, that's where the, the ground to be able to stand on. I mean, you look at the difference between communicated and revelation knowledge and why it's important to have revelation knowledge. It's found in the beginning of, uh, of creation with Adam and Eve, like Eve had communicated knowledge. The, the enemy didn't go after Eve because she was a woman. As some people try to say, that was completely wrong. No, the enemy went after Eve because she had communicated knowledge. The, the revealed knowledge was revealed from God to Adam. Hey, do not eat of this fruit. And he said, if you do, you surely will die. And the communicated knowledge was probably like, I could see it one day, you know, Adam's walking with Eve and then like, hey, Eve, see that, that tree over there. Don't eat of that tree. Like yeah. God said, don't do that or else you'll die. And you see that in her responses. And when the enemy comes to her, she says in response, I, we cannot eat or touch of this tree. So she changed the information that was once revealed to Adam and changed it to eat or touch, even though God never said anything about touching that tree. And yeah. so we have to be careful as a generation. If we live based off of communicated knowledge, our identity will be shaken and we will be subject to attacks from the enemy because he knows if he can get you to question who you are, the rest is really easy for him. I mean, that's what happened with Jesus when he was out there in the 40 days. After, after the 40 days of fasting and praying, the enemy comes to him and says, if you're truly the son of God, he wanted to try to question his identity before he tempted him. We always focus on like the enemy came and tempted him. No, first he questioned who he was. He said, if mm. you are truly the son of God, you would be able to do this. And that's what the enemy does to us is he tries to get us into these places of confusion around our identity and, and around who we are. Because if he can do that, the attacks that he has are so much easier to take root in our life because we don't have that sure foundation that Jesus talked about with Peter. I love that he said that first he questioned who he was because that's what happens to us, you know, right before temptation or like it questions our ability or identity. Like, are you, are you really like, are you really a daughter of the King? Are you really a Prince? Are you really these things? Because they wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do this thing that's right in front of you that you may be tempted with, or you may be confused by, or, you know, you're, you're about to write a book and you're, and the enemy is like, mm, but you, but are you really gifted in that? Or I'm thinking whenever you were a kid and like you, you were, it sounds like you were almost attacked with what your parents gifting was 
in that same thing, because that's that question. Like, are you going to be as good as your parents? Are you going to make as much of an impact? Like it's, I love that you said that because that's so true. And that's something that we should be looking for. It's almost like that's the, the step right before the attack. That's the beginning of the attack. I should say that's the very beginning is questioning who we are. And I'm, I'm curious, I want to know, like, I mean, you're obviously powerhouse in the word. I want to know what that looks like in your day-to-day. What's practically, what does this look like to get into the word for you? Yeah, well, so for, for me, like, this is the thing is I think people, people overcomplicate or um, they, yeah, they overcomplicate getting in the word of God. Like they, I remember I was, I was having a conversation with someone and they were like, yeah, well, I do my, I daily do my daily devotionals. And I was like, well, when was the last time you just got in the word? Like when was the last time you just you just spent time in the word and it, regardless of the timeline or just read a scripture and just begin to declare that over yourself. And I think with what times did we overcomplicate it and we're like, hey, we do this and this. And but I, like if I was with my wife and I had this relationship with my wife and I'm like, OK, well, when was the last time I spent time with my wife? Well, I was like, well, I had my my daily, you know, 30 minutes that I had with her every single day. But our relationship <laughs> would not be great. But yeah. if I just continue to work in that partnership with God, where we can see like that, there's a book called Practicing in the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And it's an amazing book. And he takes it, he takes it to a very much of extreme where he just talks about the awareness of the presence of God and how God works with you throughout your day. And I think, I think number one, the biggest thing that I would encourage this generation is one, just to get in the word. And that's whether you just read a little bit or even go, you can go onto the Bible app on your phone Mm -hmm. and you can listen to it. And just getting that time of allowing the word of God to actually just sit into your, your presence and allow that renewing of your mind to take place, but then to have an awareness of God throughout your day. I think too many times as we, we dictate it to, you know, we have the sacred moment in the morning and then we see the rest of the day as the secular. Whereas the reality of it is we are like the Bible says our bodies are temples. So we are the sacred that's going out into the world and the God that lives within inside of us dwells in the temple of God. So we have to see that and that, that beautiful awakeness of just, Hey God, you are, you are here with me and I'm doing this in partnership with you. I'm walking through this. And and when we get those questions of identity and things like that, we can go back to the word of God. Cause when, when Jesus was attacked, you know, about his identity and, and question in those moments, what did he do? Like he didn't, he didn't call called down an angel. He didn't do anything. What he did, he declared the word of God. He just simply spoke back the word of God to the enemy. And so I think that's key. He says, you know, the, the Bible says, scripture says we can't do. And I think that's key is that we just got to know, like through those, through those time periods of, of, you know, just getting in the word and just walking with God, we've got to know what the word of God says about us, because that's the practical way to be able to combat those lies, to be able to get into the word and, and just creating those moments, like have someone hold you accountable. Like something I do with my wife is uh, if I go, you know, two, three days without getting into the word, um, I realize I'm like, man, I just don't like myself right now. Like, and I, t- I tell my wife, I'm like, Hey, love, like, if I like, please just make sure the next chance you see me with any free time, like if I'm on my phone, just tell me, Hey, how about you get into the word? Like, how about you get into the word tonight? How about you get into the word first thing tomorrow morning? And just creating those spaces. Cause I know I'm like, that is the most, most, you know, you know, honestly valuable thing that is in my life. And I think right now what we have is we have a, a lot of people that are wanting to 
go to war for Christ. We want to have a battle and, and all these things. But yet, I mean, if you were to not eat for three weeks leading up to a battle, you would have no strength for that battle. And so we've got to understand the preparation, the things that we do daily. Um, I love I love John Maxwell, his quote, he says, if you want to change the world, he says, change what you do daily. Like that's, mm. that's the reality of it. And he said, it's, you know, it's those, those small decisions that you make that will lead over time that will completely transform your world. And so I think as we see a generation that wants to make a big impact for the kingdom, we've got to look at our daily lives and see what habits, what things are we going to start formulating, you know, across the board, not only just yeah. in our word, but across the board, that's going to get us there. You're so right. And, and I love that piece that you said about, you know, we're willing to go to war, but we're ill-equipped yeah. a lot. You know, we're willing to go to war, but we don't have armor. We haven't put on the armor of God in, in order to really be able to go in and, and just fight the spiritual warfare or this battle. Um, so that's just a really good uh tidbit I really like that little tidbit that you said there I mean the whole thing but that was like the one thing that I was like yeah like that is so true like are we're very on fire but yeah. are we as equipped as we should yeah. be to go yeah. into this so it's the right uh, message that we're that we're sharing that it's not communicated mm-hmm. you know like telephone well yeah and it and it just is amazing how you can how you can learn how to navigate conversations and, and just arguments too that the world presents because you see throughout scripture is Jesus has always gets brought these worldly arguments of like, Hey, what do we do in this situation? Yeah. And Jesus always used the word of God again, and he elevates the conversation to kingdom. And I think right now what we're seeing is a lot of people are getting caught up in, in picking yes. a side or choosing different arguments that they need to pick up where we realize our, our, our God's thoughts about these things are higher than our thoughts. And we can yes. elevate our thinking based off of what the word of God did. And that's what Jesus did because he did not get caught up in their arguments because he knew that it was going to be petty and, and would not produce light, but he always raised it to a higher degree, which made their, their thinking go to a higher degree. Yeah. Woo. That's good. Let them know. I love that. You're so right. You're so right though. All these arguments and things are so like, you're talking about like they're petty. They're just so worldly. And God's like, y'all, well, he probably doesn't say y'all. That's my, my bet is that he doesn't say y'all. <laughs> but just to, like you're talking about, like elevate the conversation and bring the word into this conversation, make it more than just this, this uh, almost pigeonholing each other, yeah, attempting to pigeonhole. Yeah, if you try to divide, like that's the thing is we people are trying to divide and that's never the heart of God. Like division yeah. is not the heart of God. Now I wanna make sure this is clear is God always talks about unity. Unity is not conformity. So unity does not mean that I agree exactly with everything that you say, all these things. Unity is coming together, seeing that there is a problem and not seeing the other person as being the problem. Seeing, hey, there's two people and we have a problem. The problem's right in the center of the table. Let's fix this problem. Rather than sitting at the table and being like, you're the problem. Like, I need to show you why you're wrong. All these things and attacking Mm -hmm. you, attacking you because that's further from the, that's so far away from the heart of God. Like people are our mission. That's what God has established us here on earth to do. And so I think when we raise our thinking and elevate our thinking, we don't, the the problems of this world don't diminish. It's that our, our understanding for God's heart, for people, for situations, for things like that elevate, which gives us a clearer understanding of how to bring solutions, how to 
to combat not people but combat the problem that is trying to dis dismantle his his creation which is people yeah you're exactly right yes I love that so much now I'm, I'm thinking back on your younger self and I'm like what advice would you give him other than he's a prince because I still love that so much and I'm <laughs> like gonna say that forever and ever amen but like is there what life could you speak over what do you wish you could tell your younger self Ooh, that's that's good. Um, because <laughs> I've I've never well I've never thought about that, and I've always like asked other people that question, and and um I've never thought about it from my life. I think I think the thing that I would have told myself is um, honestly this revelation that God gave me last year, and it was that the uniqueness of every single person and seeing the value in every single person. I remember God said He said, "Hey, Arden, I'm an infinite God." And he said, because I'm an infinite God, that means there's an infinite amount of expressions of me. And he mm. says, when, because I've made every single one of my sons and daughters uniquely, he said, there is an expression of me that is found within every single one of my sons and daughters that this world has never seen and will never, ever see again from the ends of the earth to the, you know, also from the beginning of the earth. And I've just realized like with our day and age and social media, and as I grew up, um, honestly, just with a lot of people putting expectations and things like that on our family. Um, I just, yeah. I spent way too long focused on, on other things and rather than what God uniquely put inside of me. And I think that's the tendency of social media right now. And why we have to be careful is social media will get you focused off of what God, his expression uh, that he's placed inside of you. That's so unique that this world's waiting to see like the world, like Romans eight nineteen talks about the unveilings of God's glorious sons and daughters. It says the entire cosmos, the entire world, the heavens are all standing on tiptoe waiting for the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. And that comes from understanding what has been placed inside of you. And so that's what I would encourage myself with because I went far too long living defined based off of other people and not, not what God was saying. And I don't think you're alone in that. I think that so many people get caught up in that and they live far too long in the labels versus the calling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why your book is an absolute must read. But I, um, by the time this comes out, I will obviously have already read it, but I'm, I'm a little bit into it so far and I'm audio booking it. Yes. So, so you heard it. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it. You can, you can hear my struggles. <laughs> I'm so excited because in your weakness, he is made strong. Yes. Amen. So in, in so much and all the work that you're doing, the best way that we know how to thank you for your kingdom work is to pray for you. Our community um, just will cover you in prayer. So how can we pray for you? I think uh, just a continual prayer of just what our next steps are. I think my wife and I really want to see how we can continue. Like I, I, you know, as an eight, I don't like to just sit in one place and just continue to keep doing the same thing. I want to see like, okay, well, God, what are you calling us to and how we, can we continue to make a further impact and the things that you've gifted us with to continue to steward that well. And so I think, you know, we have seen that in their expression of our ambassadors, as we've been calling our ambassadors for sons and daughters to walk in this greater expression of what God's called them to do. And so just continuing mm -hmm. prayer of that, like just continuing Absolutely. to pray that but we keep the fear of the Lord close to our heart, because we know that's that's what's going to keep us on the right path. And then that we just have a, a clear, you know, not a clear, because I don't think it's ever fully clear, but an <laughs> understanding of, of what God's wanting us to continue to keep doing, I think would be amazing. You got it. And where can we keep up with you online? 
Yeah. So, I mean, you can follow me at Bavir Arden on Instagram. That is probably the only social media that I'm very actively involved on. Not actively because I rarely still check it, but actively <laughs> by my standards. Okay. Um, that's the best way. Or you can go to ArdenBevere.com and ArdenBevere.com will show you the book. Um, it'll show you, you know, social media, show you all the things that we're doing with sons and daughters. And it also has a test for people to take um, where they can take the test and see if there's some labels that they've allowed to hold on to uh, in their life for way too long. And we kind of point them to the truth that's been spoken over them and, and encourage them to, you know, be set free from that label. Incredible. Incredible. Well, Arden, I just can't thank you enough for hanging out with us today. I mean, my little note sheet is like literally like two pages, which is, I normally do like half a page. So, <laughs> so you awesome. know, I wrote down a lot of good stuff and um, I just appreciate your time and I appreciate you hanging out with us. Oh, it's, it's seriously my pleasure. Appreciate you reaching out and having me on taking this time. I know you got, got the puppies and everything. <laughs> so you made, you made it work. So I appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I pray that you're able to see yourself how the Lord sees you so you can hold your head a little higher and shine your confidence a little brighter. I would so appreciate if you would leave a review, subscribe, and share this with a friend. And of course, I want to stay connected with you. Find me on Instagram at Ainsley B. And my website is AinsleyBritton.com. See y'all later.